Well, praise God, church. Get your Bibles out. That's kind of weak. Get your Bibles out. There you go. We ought to be excited about going to the Word of God this morning. Um, yeah, just a, another little side note there. <clears throat> you know, the faith, uh, I, I looked at Facebook for the first time yesterday. Uh, isn't that true? I scrolled through and I said, that's what Facebook's all about. So anyway, so I'm not a very technical person. And so uh, anyway, but there is the Waterhole Facebook page that you can go and you can follow the plan on also. Uh, and because uh, somebody just said to me, I just saw you on Facebook. And I was like, I was on Facebook? Why was I on Facebook? How could you have seen me on Facebook? Then I realized what it was. Um, so anyway, you can always also follow the plan there, you know, and I just, man, I tell you folks, I've never in all the things in 25 years of pastor in this church, I've never seen something that is exciting people and blessing people as much as the plan. I just encourage you, if you're not following the plan, to just sit down with your family and read one chapter, that's it, one chapter a week in the Bible. I've got them lined out for you. I, I do a little video of, 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 of it and... Uh, then you, you sit down with your family, however you want to do it. You want to read part of it. You want to read all of it one day. You want to read the same chapter every day of the week. I don't really, it doesn't make any difference how you do it, but we need to be as a family into the Word of God. You need to sit down with your family and do that. And we're talking about minutes. Hello? Just minutes to sit down and read that chapter and follow along. And so... Uh, Anyway, and then we also have a phone app. You can go follow it on the phone app, and then the Bible is on the phone app, and you can just read it right off of there if you want. And so that's all there for you. Then we've got the website. You can go to the website, and then you can uh, look at videos or do whatever you want to. So there's all kinds of things out there for us to keep ourselves going. Amen? So I want you this morning, <clears throat> let's see, go to the, the book of the Song of Solomon, chapter 2. <clears throat> and before I get into that, Christy, would you put my picture of the moth up? There you go. Have y'all seen this little guy? Okay, so we got these little moths around here. You know, they fly around all over the place. They're, <clears throat> it's hard for me to say what it is. I don't know what's wrong with my tongue, but it's a hawk moth. That's just a hard thing for me to say. I could not say that three times in a row. But that's what the name of the official name of this is, is a hawk moth, all right? And so I was over at a friend's house the other day, and they were showing me uh, their tomato plant that had been eaten by a tomato worm and how fast it had eaten it. And this is the culprit. This is where, give me the next picture. This is where this little guy comes from. The horned tomato worm. Okay, who's close kin to the tobacco worm. And they come from that moth. Flip back to my moth. Isn't that a pretty little moth? <laughs> yeah, not now. <clears throat> but I mean, if you just saw it flying by, you'd say, oh, look at the little moth. Not knowing that, you know, in the spring... And don't anybody write me a letter on that I didn't get this all right, okay? Please just, just give me this one. In the springtime, that moth lays eggs. 
It's a very protective moth that looks for places to lay eggs that its, its caterpillar, its offspring, is going to be the best fit. And it says, the articles I read on it, it says that they, the, the, the eggs can, it can, they can be for three to 21 days before they hatch. And out pops, give me the next picture, this guy. All right? And so this guy's going to now eat your tomato bushes. Because that's what he does. That's what, his, that's what he survives on. So the innocent little moth is going to lay this caterpillar. It's going to eat your tomato bushes. All right? And we'll say, oh, man, this is terrible. But you know something I learned was that those moths, they don't die after they lay their eggs. They continue, and they can go from, from multiple, multiple seasons laying eggs. Now, the little moth, it just wants to lay its eggs. It's just trying to reproduce. The caterpillar, that ugly sucker, is going to eat everything around, and then in the fall, it's going to go and turn from a caterpillar or begin its process of turning from a caterpillar back into a moth to go lay more eggs to eat more tomato bushes. Vicious cycle, right? It's the little things that we're not looking out for that usually get us in trouble. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Catch us the foxes. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. For the vines have tender grapes. Now, you know, the reason why I had to figure out this about a tomato plant and tomato worm was because, you know, we don't have foxes eating our grapes around here. I mean, they may go eat wild grapes, but we ain't got no grapes around here. That's not what we're doing, right? So it doesn't make as much sense. But you start thinking about it, if that would have been changed and said, kill the tomato worms. For the little tomato worms is what spoils your tomatoes. You would have said, yes, I understand that scripture. It is a revelation to me. Find the worm. Correct? So that's why I'm trying to get the Bible to where we can put an application to it this morning because you're saying the little foxes pull the wine. What is a fox? Go eat grapes or whatever. You know, a fox eats grapes. He's got red foxes running around out here. It ain't no big deal. But now, now, from now on, you see a moth fly by, you're going to say, kill it. Look how pretty. Nah, no, kill it. That thing's going to produce a worm that's going to eat my tomato plants. Are y'all with me? It becomes real to us. You see, sometimes in life we're looking at the little things that are around us and we're not thinking that they're important. We're not thinking that they're going to cause us to stumble. We're not thinking that it's going to cause us to, you know, trip in our walk with Jesus. But you got to watch it because it's the little things that get sown in our heart that cause us to trip up and we don't even realize it. Are y'all with me? You wouldn't even be concerned with moths and caterpillars if they weren't eating your tomatoes. Right? I mean, if they were in the oak tree, unless they were killing the oak tree and it was breeding shade for your house, you wouldn't even be thinking about it. If they were just eating, you know, like army worms that come in and eat the, the, the grass and stuff around there, you know, unless you're a farmer, you're not thinking about it. They're just, you know, they're, it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a worm. You're not thinking about it because it's not affecting you. But the moment you start seeing your tomato plant eaten, that you planted and loved and cared for and were waiting, just dreaming of getting these big old juicy tomatoes off of, and now that thing's been devastated, now you take notice and now you begin to hunt 
for tomato worms, right? But it's too late. He ate your bush, right? Now, the great thing about a tomato plant is it will immediately start to try to reproduce and immediately start trying to come back and start trying to grow and start trying to produce, but you've lost time on it, right? Now, you just think about this, church. Listen to me, because this is a great message this morning. I got all of this, but I've seen a friend of mine's eat up tomato plant. So just think about it. Let's just say you've got a garden, you've got 10 luscious big tomato bushes. But this one got attacked by the worm, and he's been eating, up your, eating it up, and then it gets looking bad. And then there's, a, there's something about us as humans, we turn on it when it doesn't look good. And then you start not caring about it. And then before long, I said, I just pull that one up. We've got 10 others that look good. Get it out of here. But that bush may have produced your best tomatoes. You see, the devil has a way to come into your life and try to steal from you. And he's going to steal some of the ripest stuff. So let's say, let's say you get offended with a friend. And there's an offense comes up. And you're like, I got nine more. I don't need that one. Wait a minute. That horned tomato worm just ate your friendship up over there. And you cast it off. And that might have been the greatest friend that you could have had that could have helped you in a time when you really needed them on down the road, but you cast it off. Because see, what the devil, his job is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's his job. Does that not sound just like a tomato worm? To kill, steal, and destroy is exactly what he sounds like he's trying to do. And so you got to watch it because these little foxes, these little tomato worms come into your life to eat and to steal from you. And don't discard it. You need to stand and fast for it. And I want to show you this morning how to get some rejuvenation in what the worm has eaten. All right? So go to Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Let me show you something here. 957, Luke 957. It says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go bid them farewell at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now listen to me. A lot of times preachers like to take that scripture and beat you up with it. But I'm not trying to do that this morning. I'm trying to show you something. What Jesus is saying is, listen, if you have another distraction in your life, you can't really go forward and doing what you're supposed to do. How many of you know that distractions are difficult? You're trying to drive your car. Why do we say don't text and drive your car? Because you're distracted, right? Distractions take you off from being sharp and doing what the, the, the call you're supposed to do. And what Jesus is saying here to the people is, look, you have got to be on time. You've got to be on, on stroke, on with me, if you're going to see the kingdom of God flowing in your life. It's not about you're not going to be saved, you're going to be cast out of the kingdom. It's like, I don't know, church, but I want to walk in all the benefits Jesus died on the cross for me, right? I want to walk in all the privileges as a son of God because Jesus bought and paid those for me. 
And he's saying, look, you may be dealing with a situation over here of, of finances, let's just say a loss of finances, but the tomato worm actually ate something over here. That little thing you didn't take care of is what's caused you to get into the place you are and you lost over here. He says, if you put your hand to the plow, then keep plowing. Everybody say, keep plowing. Look at the person beside you and say, keep plowing. He said, look, you got to keep plowing. Don't keep don't keep looking back at where you were. Don't keep looking back and thinking the world may have something to offer you. Keep plowing in the things of God. Keep going forward with me. Keep learning. Keep growing. Keep developing as a child of God. And then you're going to see the kingdom of God flourish in your life. Amen? Okay. So let's go to another story about this. Genesis chapter 19. Genesis 19. Verse 12. It's a story of Lot. And it's a crazy story in the sense that I can't believe how it kind of went off. I can't believe that Lot was wanting to stay in the city. But anyway, let's read the story. Starts in verse 12, Genesis 19, 12. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Now, let me explain the story to you in case you haven't ever read it. You know, the angels come into the city and they're, they're telling Lot, because he was, he was a righteous man, and, and Abraham had interceded for him, and they're trying to get Lot out of the city, and, and the city is going to be destroyed because of its wickedness. And so these angels go in there, and they're telling Lot, come on, pack up your stuff, let's get out of town. And he says, they said to him, have you anyone else here, your son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. So he offered every person that was kin to Lot the ability to leave the city. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against him has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-laws who had married his daughters, and they said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But the son-in-laws, he seemed, they said they seemed to be joking. Now when the morning dawned, the angel urged Lot, Hurry, arise, take your wife and your daughters who are there. So, listen, Lots urged them, these angels are standing, they said, get out of the city, you're going to start. And they said, what are you talking about, man? They're joking. I don't know about you, but I've had friends in my life that I've tried to urge them to quit doing what they were doing. I've tried to urge them to, to kill the tomato worms in their lives. I've urged them to stop doing and going down that path because it wasn't going to end right. And they looked at me and laughed as if it was a joke. They said, what are you talking about? That's not going to happen. And then it happened. And I didn't go back and say, see, I told you so. No, I, I, I grieved because I knew if any of y'all went, listen, if any of y'all good godly people, you went over to your friend's house and you just happened to look over there and you saw a tomato worm crawling, you would tell them to step on it. Hello? And you, if they didn't know, they'd, oh, I like those worms. As a matter of fact, I've been reading them in the back. <laughs> Thought they were cute. He said, no, they're going to eat your bushes over here. Your garden's going to be devastated because they're going to go. Really? You would help them, right? You would tell them. You'd if nothing else. You'd go pull out, pull up the, on the Internet. Look, that's what it's going to do. It's going to, it's going to eat you. Right? But aren't, why wouldn't we do that if you saw somebody going down a bad road that you knew was going to end up? Maybe because you'd already been there. See, that's what the gospel's all about. It's about us helping others out of this mess we've been in. 
I don't have any place in my life to, to tell a person uh, that I've, I've done everything so right in my life, just pattern your life after me. It's no, I've done everything so wrong and figured out what's right. Now, change. It works. Read your Bible. Pray. Have a relationship with Jesus. You know, I have a strange thing coming up this year. I can't believe it. I can't even hardly utter this out of my lips. It sounds so horrible. But this year I have our 40-year class reunion. Me. Young little me. Little young me. How could I have a 40-year graduation? How could that possibly be? I've told everybody that's called me, I said, it's not right. Y'all have figured wrong. There's no way I could have been out of high school for 40 years. I cannot be that old. It makes me tired just thinking about it. But in that, I was thinking to myself, I got to thinking about what, you know, because there's a lot of people I hadn't seen. And, and you start thinking about what have you done? And I'm going to be the guy that some people have not seen for 40 years, and I'm going to be the guy that's going to show up, and they say, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and they're going to say, are you on drugs or what has happened? How could you be a pastor? But I learned that the, the worms were eating my, my garden up, and I didn't want them. And I learned how to kill worms. All right? So anyway, so he's telling them, get up, get up, get out of this place. You got to go. You got to change. And says, when the morning dawned, the angel learned Lot to hurry up and, and sing, arise, take your wife, your two daughters, and get out of here. Least you be consumed with the punishment of the city. And while the men lingered, he took hold of their hands. And, and they're, they're standing there lingering. The angels tell them that they're standing there lingering. And they have to grab them by the hand and drag them out of there. Set him outside the city, so it came to pass that when they brought them outside, he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, these should be destroyed. Now, here you go. The angel just delivered him. He said, Lot says, oh, please know, my Lord. Indeed, your servant has found favor in your sight and have in increased your mercy, which you have shown us by saving our life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See, now the city is near enough to flee to it, and it's a little one. Please let me escape to it, and my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have uh, favored you concerning this thing also. I will not overthrow the city. Hurry and go to the city. I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was Zor. You know what the name Zor means? It means a little thing or insignificant. In other words, Lot, he left Sodom, and Gomorrah, and he got out of there, but the place he wanted to go to, he didn't want to go to the mountain where God would have been. He wanted to go to the city over there, which was named as a little insignificant thing, but he held on to the little insignificant thing. He wouldn't break free. So it says, the Lord rained fire and brimstone down upon him. They overthrew those cities, but his wife looked back behind him, and she became the first person to work for the Morton Salt Factory. No, she became a pillar of salt. Even though they're fleeing, fire and brimstone's falling down, she turns and she's looking back at, oh, what we lost. And she turned into a pillar of salt. Her heart was so hardened, she just turned it literally into a pillar of salt. So they run off. Now, if you read the story on, some bad things happen, and 
Lot's two daughters have relations with him, and they produce two children. Lot's daughters produce two children. The first one they named Moab, and the second one they named Ammon. And if you read on through the Bible, the Moabites and the Ammonites were totally against Israel, had war with Israel, and God actually told them to destroy all of them because they were so wicked. My point is, when they held on to the little thing and didn't turn loose of it, they went to Zor and held on to the little thing and didn't turn loose of it. Two wicked nations were produced and his wife became a pillar of salt because they wouldn't break free. It's the little things that get us in trouble. Listen, it's the little doubts that come in our life that destroy our faith. It's the little fears in our life that lead to big problems. Do you know that? Do you know that when all the things, if you go read the book of Job, and everybody looks at the book of Job and they're, oh, look, oh, God did this. But go read. Job said, the thing that I fear the most has come upon me. In other words, Job sat around all the time in fear that exactly what would happen would happen. I once talked to a man who had a horrible ailment that came upon him. And he told me the story that he had watched on television, a whole documentary on this certain illness before he had it. And he said, I'm going to tell you the thing. I watched that thing and I just thought that would be the most horrible thing that could ever happen to somebody. And he said, I got in fear over that. And I had fear over that and I could not break it. And it got all over me about that. And then one day I had it. The thing that he feared the most came upon him. Listen to me. The little worm, if you do not kill it, will make great devastation in your life. And what happened here with Lot and all of him, they kept the little thing that ended up in great devastation. The little fear you're having if you don't deal with it and get the Word of God and replace it with the truth of the Word of God in your life and start standing up and saying, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is a God of all flesh, and nothing is too hard for him. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Start destroying those fears in your life. The little thing that starts in the fear, it'll destroy your faith. A little jealousy will grow into great envy. A little unforgiveness, a little offense will grow into a great offense and unforgiveness. Before long, you have no friends because every one of them's out to get you. You need to write this down. I actually have this written in the front of my Bible. Uh, I don't know how long ago I put it in there. Never compromise your position of faith by walking in sin. Never compromise your position of faith by walking in sin. Don't give place to those little things. Don't let that worm stay there. Don't look at him. Don't play with him. Don't try to figure out how he works. Don't count his feet. Don't count the dots on him. Don't get him under a microscope and look at him and do it. Just kill him. Smush him. Step on him. Get rid of him. When things happen in my life and, 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 and I can get offended. Used to, I wanted to play judge and jury and executioner. And I wanted to take the whole scenario and I want to run it through the whole court system and, 
uh, in my mind and have the prosecution and the defense attorneys going and, and do this whole thing over there and then have a jury sitting and then have the judge do it, then I'd want to have the execution all in my head of why I was right and they were wrong or whatever. Nowadays, when I look at it, I just go and say, it's not worth my time. I'm not going to mess with it. I'm not going to even let myself get offended. Father, I forgive them right now. I do it quickly because I don't want that worm to come into my life and start eating in my life and waste my time. It's something you have to do quickly. You have to catch it and say, that's the worm that's eating everything. So you guys, you know, because it's, it's summer and you've got gardens going and we're country folks and you do that kind of thing. I just keep believing for the tithe off all y'all's gardens. You see, that's the way I do it. <clears throat> and so, but you got your gardens going. You inspect it. You look at it. You go out there. You water it. You're looking for it. You're, you're tending that garden. Well, so we got to be tending the gardens of our lives. We've got to be looking for those worms. We've got to be looking underneath the bushes. We've got to be raising up the leaves. We've got to be looking around there because if you don't, you know, you'll walk out there one day and say, oh, what happened to my tomato plant? You can't compromise your position of faith in your own life by walking in sin. Don't let one of those little worms get in your life and start eating at you because it compromises your faith. Hello? Every area of your life, you need to... I know this may sound radical, but uh, I don't know any other way to live. You need to have your life compartmentalized into the sense that you've got... You're, you're always looking over here at finances... Where's your faith for finances in life? Health? Where's, how are you standing on sickness? All right? Where's your position of faith in that? Because those two things are always going to be. Your emotions, right here, you're going to have a compartment on them because somebody's going to say something ugly to you. Oh, that was a dumb-looking dress you wore the other day. Why'd you wear that dumb-looking dress, you know? Somebody's going to say something stupid. People are born and feed at the trough of stupid, Okay? You just got to understand that. People are just going to do it. They don't know. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know why they're doing it. They just do it. They don't know why. People say things out of their mouth, and they got no good sense. It's the truth. They got no good sense. And so they're going to say something. So you got to have a compartment here for your emotions. And you got to do assessments. And you got to go through that garden. You've got to look. Have I been offended? Has somebody said something to me? Am I mouthing about this or that or the other? Like, you might as well quit arguing about the government. There ain't no easy way to fix it. It's a mess. Folks, this world system is a mess. And the next, the next 20 presidents aren't going to get it lined out right. Are you all with me? There is no golden child who's going to line it all up. All right? There's only going to be one kingdom come upon the face of this earth that's ever going to work right, and that's when Jesus comes back. Until then, humans are going to have it messed up. All right? And so you might as well quit getting angry about it. You might as well keep getting all stirred up about it and learn how to just pray about it. We got some crazy things going on right now, church, in our own area. Hello? And so what I'm saying to you is you've got to, cart you've got to get these things. You've got to go looking through your gardens of your life and the compartments of your gardens of your life, and you've got to be looking to see if you've got some tomato worms in there. Is something stealing your faith over here for finances? Is something stealing your faith over here for, for your, in your emotional area? Is something stealing your faith over here for your health issues? Over here, you've got the compartment of your marriage issues. Or what, are you, what are you asking God for over here to help bless your spouse? Never thought about praying for that. Ah, yeah, the Holy Ghost is a lot smarter than you are. Husbands, you ain't got enough sense to do the right thing. 
You've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost help you to understand what to do. Can I have an amen? amen. Okay? You've got to have the Holy Ghost help you and show you what to do in life to make that right and what to do and what to say and how to do this and do that. Because it's also the little things that make a difference on the positive side. Okay? And so what I'm saying is you can't be like Lot saying, I just wish it was this way, I just wish it was that way, and looking back. Because when you start looking back, the kingdom of God, you're not plowing forward. You've got to be looking and evaluating the whole time over this whole situation because 2 Peter 2.7 says, And he delivered just Lot, who vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Every day him being around all the stuff that he was in Sodom and Gomorrah vexed his soul because he let those little worms come in there, and that's why things turned out like they did. Because they literally hardened his heart and vexed him to where he wasn't hearing the Spirit of God. He was hearing the crunching of the sound of worms. Okay? Now, let me give you a guy who you can look at and you can take, take note of. Genesis. Go to the book of Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. This is what it says about Noah. For this generation, for this is the genealogy of Noah. It starts out here and says, Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Noah was a just man. He was perfect in his generation, and he walked with God. Now, I'll get back to that in just a minute, but let me just show you a few things. I don't want to read it all. It'll take too long. You can just go read there through Genesis chapter 6. But Noah was a man who heard God speak to him. He told him to build a boat. He gave him the dimensions of the boat. He told him how big to make it. He told him all this thing, how to make the ark, right? And then Noah set about to do it. He heard God once. He heard him once. And then he worked for 120 years building a boat. Think about this. Noah hired carpenters. Noah hired helpers. Noah had his family. They all came. Everybody said, what are you doing, Noah? He said, I'm building a boat. A what? A boat. What is that? Well, it floats in the water. Water. What water? Well, it's going to come a great rain. It's going to flood the whole earth. And everybody that's in this boat is going to survive. What's rain? Because it had never rained. Would y'all today think Noah was crazy? If there was, can you imagine what the media would do to crazy Noah today? And he says it faithfully for 120 years. Didn't give up. Didn't say, didn't he, I don't even, there's not even a cloud in the sky. I don't know. I don't feel like working today. I don't really feel like building on the boat today. His wife says, why are you going out there and building the boats? Because, Dad, we've been out here working all this time to build this boat. It's a big old boat. I mean, come on, listen to me, church. All of us, I'm including myself in this. All of us give in so easy. We do. We give in so easy. We're going to work out Monday. We're going to go on a diet Monday. Hello? 
All of us, you know, we give up so easy. And here's a man, just look at the, 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 what do you call it? The determination of this guy. For 120 years, builds something he has never seen. He doesn't know. He's just totally, completely following the plan of God. The boys say, why do we do this? I don't know. Put the timber up there. He just keeps building it. Everybody is saying, you're an idiot. Right? But look at verse 8. I read this, and I don't want to try to, I'm not trying to pull it out of text or anything here. I just want to just show you something. Verse 8 says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I know that the writers there are saying, you know, that Noah, because of who he was and all, he found grace in God's eyes. But it just, when I read that, it, and I read it like this, but Noah found grace. But Noah found grace. In other words, not that God graced him, but that Noah, he found grace. The whole key to walking in your relationship with Jesus is to understand walking in grace. You're going to mess up. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to fall down because we're not Noah's that can keep at it for 120 years. But what you got to do is you got to find that walk in grace. You got to find that place in grace that you can walk with God and enjoy the journey. You got to be a, you got to learn to be a, a tomato worm killer. You've got to learn that you find this place in grace of walking with God that you are blessed. Because, see, most of the time, I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but most of the time what happens to us as humans, we, we're trying to achieve um, the acceptance of our peers, people around us. And so when you work real hard to do it, and then you, no one says anything, then you get discouraged. So you look, wait, worked real hard to lose weight, but then nobody around you said, oh, you look like you've lost weight. You did good. How, much, how many more pounds do you plan on losing? And you're like... And then you go home and somebody says something to you. Your wife says, what do you want to like for supper tonight? Chocolate cake and nothing but. Because <laughs> you're trying to gain acceptance... You're working to gain acceptance, and you got to watch it because you try to do that with God. You try to do things that then you think you've merited favor in the eyes of God, and I'm telling you, folks, you've got to learn the walk of grace that God already loves you, absolutely, just like you are today. Yes, he may need you to change some things and kill some worms in your life, but God absolutely loves you. He loves you whether you have accomplished anything, merited anything that you think is deserving in the eyes of God or not. He still loves you. You've got to learn the walk of grace. Noah found grace. And when he found grace, he, he found that place that he could walk and keep building a boat that he didn't know how to, what it was for, didn't know really what it was, but he could keep doing it for 120 years and not quit. The only way you're ever going to find your walk in your relationship with Jesus is you've got to get rooted and found in that, that life of grace to know that you're accepted and that you're loved. Listen, the world may not accept you. 
The world may not like you. The world may not say you're good enough. You're not tall enough. You're not this. You're not that. You're not ever going to be this. You're not ever going to be that. You're not this or that. Listen to me. It doesn't really make any difference. You have to find your wholeness in your place of grace through Jesus Christ. And that's it. You want your wife to accept you. You want your husband to accept you. You want them to do this. Listen, you're not going to get no accolades and no, no great things out of that idiot. I'm sorry, but you're just not. He's not equipped. He's damaged goods. So are you. It's the truth. It's like taking two warped two-by-fours and trying to make a straight wall. You just can't do it. There's going to be some twists and some turns in your life. But you've got to find that place of grace. The moment you feel that acceptance and that love come from your heavenly father, listen to me, it will begin to heal and kill all the tomato worms in your life. It's like throwing seven dust all over you. I know that's a bad thing today because we're not supposed to be using chemicals. But anyway, it's the only thing I know. Tomato worms don't like seven dust. Right? So it's like going before God and you say, <laughs> just got this image, this whole thing in my head. God, I love you. I worship you. You're so amazing. You're so great. And all of a sudden, Jesus just throws a handful of seven dust on you. Poof. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Appreciate that. <clears throat> yeah. Now you're cleansed. Are y'all following me in this? When Noah, I just saw it, it just, it, Noah found grace. And the money he found grace, whoo, he just could, could go out there every day. <laughs> Nail up some more boards on this boat while everybody's laughing at him. Now look what Jesus said about Noah. Luke 17, 26. Stay with me for a little bit longer here. Luke 17, 26, as it was in the day of Noah, so it will be in the day of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Jesus said when he's coming back, it's going to be just like the days of Noah. In other words, there's going to be people in life that are not paying attention. There are going to be people in life laughing at you. There are going to be people saying, why did you go to church? Why do you go over there? Why do you do that? Why... Why do you, why do you, why are you good? Why do you do, you know, you, if you're going to get ahead, you got to go to her, you know, her, whatever. Are y'all with me? That's what the world's going to say. They're going to be eating, drinking, and marrying and saying, you're stupid for building a boat. You're stupid for building an ark. But listen to me, the ark was his salvation. And you have to be building an ark of a relationship with God in your life. You have to be building an ark, a fellowship and relationship with God, that you're building this ark that you're going to go live in and have fellowship with God. Because the flood's coming. The flood's coming. But you got your arks built. You got rid of all the tomato worms. You got your arks built. You've been doing the, 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 the gardening in your life. You've got all that stuff out of it, so you're living in the ark in grace. In this relationship with God and fellowship with Him. So let me give you the last scripture here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. The scripture about putting on the armor of God. Let me just show you a piece of this. See what's going to happen, and I think what happens to a lot of us, you're building your arcs, 
And this is the encouragement of this message. When you're working, building your heart because you know you're supposed to. But then Yehu is over here laughing at you, drinking beer, throwing beer cans at you while you're trying to nail up your ark, and, some, and you get mad, and you take your hammer and you throw it at him because he's irritating you, and you're tired. And then all of a sudden, then you're nailing up boards on your ark, and you're just beating them in there, and you're not really happily you know, singing while you're at work. You're just nailing up boards because you know the flood's coming, and they're not going to get in my ark. Can't wait till one of them crawls over the sun. I push him off on the pole. This is the way you're building your ark. Right? You're imagining the day when the flood's coming, you can stand up on top and laugh at all them. <laughs> and that's not the right heart. So I want y'all to know that's not the right heart. That's not the right heart in the way of things to go. Right? Because what happened is you're listening to them and it's vexing your soul when you need to be listening to God in this place of grace you're in and letting his word speak to your life and build you so you can keep building in joy for 120 years. Ephesians 6.10 tells you what to do. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. You can't do it in your strength, church. Listen to me. I hate to admit this, but when I was a kid, I didn't know Jesus. And, and when I was in school, I cheated. And uh, I had inventive ways of passing spelling tests because my dyslexia kept me from being able to spell. And so I would, they'd have, we always said spelling test. And so I got inventive ways, ingenious ways, never was caught to cheat. And so... Consequently, I have to ask my wife just about every word I got to spell that's over about four letters because I can't, I don't know how to spell. All right? So what I did was a detriment. It was wrong. And that's what you're doing with your Christian walk. You're trying to do it in your own power, and you're trying to cheat in your own power, and it's not going to get you anywhere. You have got to learn to walk and live life in the power of God. You have got to be learn and grow and develop your relationship with God so that you're laying in bed and he says, you got a tomato worm over there, you need to get it. And you're like, where? And he tells you. And you look and you say, ah, that's right, I am holding unforgiveness towards that person. Father, I forgive them right now in Jesus' name. Bless them. Bless them today, Lord. Let them be blessed in everything that they do so you can be free. You've got to learn how to walk in the strength of the Lord because in our strength, in our strength, you are going to fall. You can't do it. You're going to get tired after a while. You're just tired of nailing boards on your ark. So you've got to learn his power and his strength in your life. You've got to develop your relationship and your fellowship with God so that you call out upon him on a daily basis, whether you're driving in your car or whatever you're doing. You're talking to the Lord and he's talking to you and you're developing this relationship so it's his strength in your life because you have found a place of grace that then you can keep nailing boards on your ark. I've seen too many people that are fighting sicknesses, and they start fighting the sickness, and they do great at first, and they get tired, and then they, start, as they get tired, then they begin to get discouraged, and unless somebody's there to hold them up and lift them up and keep them going, they just go down because they don't have the will to fight anymore. Because that's what happens to us as humans. But if you've got a big old flourishing garden in your life, 
And you got tomatoes all over the place, big old fat, juicy ones. You got man cherry tomatoes, and you got these tomatoes, and you got squash, and you got all stuff growing. Man, he's got a garden full of all this stuff, and you just eat, man. You, man, you're not going to even be worried about anything else. So he says, "Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil." Tomato worms. Just you can just scratch that out and say, "Stand against the tomato worms of life." For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the, in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. I'm not even going to read on because then I'll start preaching on that. I just want to stop right here. Listen, stand and don't give in. Stand in the power of the Lord and let his power work in your life. Let him show you the things in life. Live in this place of grace that you have found. I know that God has still got things to perfect inside of me. I am not perfect, but I have found a place of grace and I want to live in that place of grace. I know he loves me. I know it's, I, that, he, it's, that, he, that I got a place in heaven. I know that he's, I know it's good. Are y'all with me? And the Holy Ghost in working relationship with him is telling me things to do all the time so I can keep nailing boards on the ark. The ark of my relationship and my fellowship with him. Amen? So stand up, church. And let me just pray for you. Let me have my prayer team come down. Y'all come down, my prayer team, whoever's on the prayer team today. Y'all come down up front here. Because I want to pray over all y'all. But I want to I have my prayer team up here because some of you may want to personalize this and may want to come and, and, get, and pray with somebody. But listen to me. My prayer this morning for y'all were, whoever was here in church today, that you would hear the Spirit of God speaking to you if you've got any tomato worms in your life. Just that simple. It's kind of funny because, you know, when, I, when you get a veterinarian to come look at your cattle or your sheep or whatever, one of the first things I'll check for is see if they got worms, see if they're wormy. And I didn't really think that sounded too good to tell you that you may be wormy this morning. <laughs> that you may need a shot of ivermectin of the Holy Ghost or something. But the truth of the matter is you may be. You may have some tomato worms going around your life that are eating the foliage and stunning the growth of the blessings God has for you in life. And I can't, I don't know what they are, but you do. And the Holy Ghost does, and he'll speak it to you right now. So I want us just to bow our heads for just a minute, give the Lord a place, and you just look into your heart and say, Lord, you show me what I need to do. If you're out there, you're watching this program, or you're listening to this program today, listen, right wherever you are, God will touch you if you'll do the same thing. He says, ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find Knock and the door shall be open. Turn to God today and ask him to show you and reveal to you the things in your life that you may need to change. Where there may be some tomato worms that are eating up your life. So you can get rid of them. And just call upon him. And he'll do it. For each and every one of you that are in here today. And even again, those of you that are listening and watching. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the place to start. Get him in your life. Romans chapter 10 says if you call upon him, he'll, he'll answer you. 
So wherever you are, just call upon Jesus and he'll come into your life. But Lord, I pray over every person in here and every person listening and watching today that where the enemy is stealing from our lives, where those tomato worms are stealing from us, I pray right now they'll be revealed. Where there needs to be forgiveness, Lord, we'll be gracious forgivers. Because, Lord, we found a place in grace in you. So I pray over each and every person that, Holy Spirit, you would just begin to show us and talk to us and minister to us and speak to us. Reveal to us the things in our lives that we need to know so that we can keep building the ark. We can be like Noah and keep building and constructing the ark and not get tired, not get weary, not want to give up on life and give up on humanity. But Lord, we can stay faithful in relationship, in grace with you. So Lord, right now, I just believe you that as we go from this, this building today, we're not going from your presence. We're not going out into the world alone, but we're going with you. And I pray over each and every person, Lord, that this message is sealed in their hearts. And that, Holy Ghost, you'll just continue to reveal more and more and more to them until we find that great, 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 great place in the ark with you. So, Lord, bless them. Let them be like Noah, perfect at the end of generation, walking with God. And, Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Now, look at that person beside you and say, I think I killed some worms. Hey, God bless you. We're up front to pray for you if you need anything. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember... No matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.